Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithRoy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithRoy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana, and I want to say welcome to all my movie lovers, because this is part two of a three-part series that I have titled Movies with a Message. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I love movies, and I especially love them when they say something special, when they have a message that I think is of service, that it's valuable, that it's pointing toward a higher and healthier way of being in the world. And so this whole series has been about pointing to about nine movies that that I can recall, and there's probably far more, but nine special movies to me that I think have something to say about our pursuit of intimacy, our desire to live and love in the healthiest, most conscious way possible. And so in week number one, I chose three movies that I thought had something to say about our general desire to live happy, fulfilling lives. They were three movies, I, th- I think, that speak to a path towards happiness. And so the first movie was Braveheart. And you remember the, the movie's slogan, every man dies, but not every man really lives. So we talked about what does that mean to really live? Are you really living? The second movie we talked about was Forrest Gump, one of my all-time favorites. And the slogan in that movie was, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And because that's true, how do you respond to that truth? Are you like Forrest, who seems to have no resistance toward the twists and turns and unpredictable mystery of how life unfolds? He just meets every situation and goes with it and flows with it, while Lieutenant Dan in that movie has already figured out how life is supposed to be and how it's supposed to go. And he's supposed to be a war hero and he's going to die on the battlefield like all of his ancestors. And so when Forrest saves his life, he's really upset because this is not the way life was supposed to go, right? Now, Forrest lives this charmed life, happy life. Amazing things happen to him. Lieutenant Dan, until the end of the movie when he sort of wakes up to this, is miserable. But he's depressed. He's an alcoholic. He's living in poverty. he He's just an absolute mess. And so that movie really speaks to how do we respond to how life unfolds, knowing that we have no control over hardly anything. So we can either meet it with acceptance and work with it and respond to it, or we can meet it with resistance, 
believing that we we know how life should be and what should happen to us and the way it's supposed to be and all of our plans and all of our thoughts and all of that. And when it doesn't happen that way, we end up living a life of resistance. So that was Forrest Gump. And then the last one was Yes Man, movie by Jim Carrey has a similar message, right? He was just a guy that was depressed after a divorce and becoming a hermit and saying no to everybody and everything and every opportunity. So he was saying no to life, no to his friends, no to opportunities, no, no, no. And he goes to this personal growth conference and he gets challenged to say yes to life. And he becomes a yes man. And that just leads to amazing things happen to him. Um, hilarious things, of course. So those are three movies. I think they all speak to our path toward happiness. Now, today's three movies speak to what I guess I would call a path to authenticity, a path to, to living your truth, a path to being real, being genuine, you know, Marching to your own drum, knowing what your own drum is. First of all, you can't march to your own drum unless you can hear it. So these three movies speak to living a life of authenticity. And the first movie that I want to bring your attention to is just, is just another, another great movie. And the movie is Runaway Bride. It's with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. I think everybody loved those two so much in Pretty Woman, they just wanted to come up with another movie and put them together. Uh, But the movie actually, I think, is pretty good, and it's got an incredible message. Julia Roberts' character and what she goes through and what she discovers about herself and why her love life, you know, is filled with drama is worth watching from the perspective of what can I learn from Julia? What, what is she showing me that I can learn about myself? Now, briefly, the plot is that this is a woman who's been running away from the altar. She's been a bride-to-be, you know, and I think three, four times in the movie, and she runs away from the altar each time. And then some, some reporter hears of it and makes fun of her and, and wants to go out and write a story about the runaway bride. And, of course, he falls in love with her, um, like you know what's going to happen and, you know, great. But the interesting thing about Julia's character is the reason that she's not able to have a good relationship is at the end she discovers that she doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know herself. She doesn't know what she wants, what she likes. She discovers that she has just been becoming whatever her partner wanted her to be in order to get them to like her, to accept her, to love her. So she wakes up to the idea that she's been quite a chameleon, that she has really no core, no no self-awareness, of who she is. She's not a whole person that she is going through life and then presenting herself to, to people, to partners saying, do you want to be with this? She's basically trying to get 
men to like her by being the woman that she thinks they want to be. Now, who can't relate to that? If that is not the fundamental problem that we experience in our love lives, I don't know what is. That was certainly my problem. Maybe I'm projecting it and making it the thing that everybody does. And maybe not everybody does it to the same extent that I did. But man, oh man, is that a message that I think all of us need to hear. And so the little way that this movie uh, tries to play this out is that with every guy she's with, she likes her eggs done the way he does. One guy likes them scrambled. One guy likes poached. One guy likes whatever. And oh, I like, I like my eggs that way too. I like my eggs the way you like them. She has no idea what kind of egg she likes. So it's just kind of a metaphor for that's how she's living her life. I have no sense of myself. I, I have no, no inner truth about me. I just like what you like. I just will become anything um, if it makes it easier to connect with you. Okay? So then she meets Richard Gere and, you know, she's about ready to get married to him and she runs away again because she's now just discovering that although Richard Gere knows who she is, she doesn't know who she is. And she has to go figure that out. And so at the end of the movie, she comes back to Richard Gere, of course, and she proposes to him now. She's like, will you marry me? Because now she's ready because, as you'll see in the movie, she explains that she knows who she is now. And so this movie's slogan, because there's a slogan for every one of these movies, this movie's slogan is, I like or I love Eggs Benedict. That's the line in the movie. I love eggs Benedict. <laughs> so she, so it might, if you haven't seen this movie, you should. And, and if you haven't, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> but it's a statement of saying, I know who I am now. I've done some work. I, I've, I, I've disconnected from men and what they want and what I think they should be and who I need to be to get them to like me. And I have fallen in love with me and I've gotten to know myself and I know who I am. And you know what? I like Eggs Benedict. I don't like the other kinds of eggs. I was being a phony and really not a phony. I was just being who I thought I needed to be to get people to like me. That is an unbelievably powerful message, is it not? So can you relate to Julia Roberts? Even if you're a guy, because I'm a guy and I can relate to her. That's one reason why this movie speaks to me is because, oh my God, that's what I did in my relationships. Man, I, I was good at it too, man. I could get a woman to like me. I don't care if she had different politics or different spirituality or different interests. I would just morph into whatever I thought she would like me to be. And of course, I just had tons of drama in my life. I never felt comfortable. I never really felt secure because I sort of knew on some level that I was just being what I think I need to be to get her to like me, but I sort of knew it wasn't really me. So if she ever really discovered who I was, oh my God, she might not like me. So I've never really felt comfortable in my intimate relationships because of that until the one I'm in now. 
because I discovered I like Eggs Benedict. I, I hired a coach years ago before, you know, I met my wife and I did some work so that when I met my wife, I met her in a whole different state of consciousness. I was operating by a whole different set of rules. And I am fully convinced that we, that all of us need to follow that path. The path of, all right, I got a bunch of messed up relationships. They're not working. They're not working. It's everybody else's fault. And then you're like, oh, wait, maybe not. Maybe I've got something to do with it. And then you start to look in in the mirror and you're like, oh my God, I did have something to do with it. And I discover some of these truths about myself, like I'm describing, whatever it is for you, it might be this, but you discover something that you've been doing to sabotage your love life. And you're like, oh my God, I need help fixing this. This is too profound. It's too deep. I've been doing it for too long. I need, I need support. I need help, outside help. And you bring someone in to coach you, to train you, to help wake you up. Down to smack you. <laughs> Just to, to come on, wake up out of your slumber. Get with it. Make a change. Let go of a habit. Notice a blind spot. Let go of that relationship persona, that defense mechanism, that communication habit, that that way of avoiding things. Whatever it might be, you find your thing and you work on it. And then you go back out there in relationship and you're like, I like Eggs Benedict, meaning this is me. I know who I am. Now I'm ready to connect with you. I really do believe that is a the path of how we come to really good, healthy relationships. We go through a bunch of pain. We, we have this moment of despair. We then begin to do some sort of introspection. We discover what it is we're doing. We have these aha moments that are heartbreaking, but exhilarating, heartbreaking, because it's like, oh my God, it really wasn't everybody else's fault. Man, it was me. Holy shit. I'm sorry. (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing. Father, forgive me for I know not what I did. But then it's exhilarating because, oh my God, now that I know what it is, I can fix it, but I need help. And then you do that work and then you get back out there and lo and behold, you create a healthy relationship. Where are you on that journey? Are you still in the I'm in pain and it's everybody else's fault? That's okay. That's just where you are. But you need to keep moving. Are you at the place where you are starting to see, oh my God, it was me? Or I, I want to discover what I was doing to make my relationships not work. Maybe you're in that place of kind of the broken heart and the exhilaration. And therefore, are you at the phase where you're ready to hire a coach? Not everybody's ready for that. Not everybody's ready to work with me. You, you got to be willing to look in the mirror and say, okay, no more blame. I want to know what I'm doing here. And I, I, I want to... Discover what my issue is that is sabotaging my ability to connect with people in healthy, you know, intimate ways. And I can tell you, when you're in that place, oh, I can help you. Every, people say, what's your, Roy, what is your rate of success working with clients? 
when you're when the client is in the place where they're really willing to look in the mirror and do the work and face themselves, I have a hundred percent success rate because it's really not about me. It's about the client being willing to really do it. And if you are, I can point you in the right directions because I've done it and I can show you how to do it too. So where are you in this journey? So that is what Runaway Bride is about. Go rent this movie. Watch this movie. Maybe watch it again and see it with new eyes. Really, really powerful. All right. So we have Braveheart. Every man dies, but not every man lives. We have Forrest Gump. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. We have Yes Man. And the line there is, when you say no to life, when, you, when you're saying no, you're not living life. When you say no, you're not living reality. You're not living with life as it is. You're living according to some story in your head about how it's supposed to be. And then Runaway Bride. I love Eggs Benedict. Damn it. <laughs> and that's kind of how she says it at the end. I don't like any other kind of eggs. Finally, I know that about myself. I know myself. I'm ready for you. You really can't be in a relationship with someone else until you're in a relationship with yourself. But all of us try it. And then we fall flat. We fall on our faces. We get in drama. We get divorced. We get dumped. We get hurt. We hurt others. You just can't be in a relationship with someone else if you're not in a relationship with yourself. Because what are you giving them if you don't know who you are? <laughs> right? But we've all done it. So no judgment. It's just something to work on, something to face. Now, the second movie that we're talking about today is the movie Pleasantville. This is an incredible movie also. With an incredible message that all of us need to hear. All right? So just to cover the plot with you, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. But there's this, you know, like a teenage boy, you know, and his sister, they're in high school, and high school is chaotic. He can't make sense out of it. It's unpredictable. You know, girls are weird. You know how it is when you're in high school, you're trying to figure it out, and it, it's scary, and no, nobody knows who anybody is, and you know, you're all over the place, you know, that kind of thing. And this kid is a fan of the old TV shows in the 50s. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, well, I, I, I guess the Dick Van Dyke shows in the 60s and uh, the Andy Griffith show might even be 70s. Uh, there was that, that was that one show in the 50s. Anyway, he, he's a fan of these old TV shows and one of the shows in the movie, anyway, the old TV program was called Pleasantville. And it's this story of a 1950s family, and he just loves it. And so there's a Pleasantville movie, uh, a weekend marathon, TV marathon on TV, and he's going to watch this Pleasantville marathon show. And somehow he gets sucked into the movie, <laughs> okay? So all of a sudden, like him and his sister... And his mother and father, you know, his whole family is like he's having a dream. He gets he gets sucked into the into the the television program, and they're living in Pleasantville now. 
They're not watching characters on the TV. They are the characters in the television program. Okay? And so, because it's an old show, everybody's in black and white. That's a key. The the whole move, most of the movie is in black and white. And that's important because black and white is speaking to an age gone by or to a time frame or to a state of consciousness, actually, in which everybody is doing sort of what they're expected to do. Everybody's got a role. The culture has a norm and you're just following the edicts and the demands of the culture. And so, you know, his mom is a stay-at-home mom and makes the breakfast and the dinner and gets the kids to school and dad goes off to work, you know, and they have these traditional roles that they're following. And everybody in Pleasantville is doing this, is living this way. They're all living according to expectations and they're just fulfilling their gender roles and their, you know, the way the culture expects them to be. And they're just, and, and everyone's just going through these motions and everybody's in black and white until at some point someone gets in touch with an inner reality. They get in touch with their authenticity and they start to break away from the norms and the roles and the expectations of Pleasantville. And so a number of the characters start to start to do this. So the lead character's mother kind of gets in touch with her sexuality. Okay, so it's an incredible scene when she gets in touch with her with her sexuality and as she's getting real and authentic and noticing that she is a sexual creature, she becomes in color. She changes from black and white to in color. Follow me? And there's another person there that, lear- that learns to paint and he starts to express himself through his painting. And he gets to be in color. And someone else you know, begins to feel their real emotions on things and their real ideas and they pursue their creativity. They start to express how they feel, what they want. And they get born again, it's like. They get birthed and now they're in technicolor. So you you have this town that person by person, little by little, they're sort of waking up. And what they're waking up to is their authenticity. They're sort of breaking out of all the expectations and the roles and you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do that and you're supposed to go here and you're supposed to be like that. And they start to think like, what do I want? What what am I passionate about? Can I be in touch with my body? Can I be in touch with my creativity? Can I be in touch with my emotions? Can I be in touch? In fact, one of the lead characters is is the, the guy's sister. The sister is like the boy crazy freak in high school back in their, their real town. She's like boy crazy. I don't know if she, I would call, I wouldn't call her slutty, but she's kind of just obsessed with boys and all of that. And then when she gets sucked into Pleasantville, she starts to discover what, what brings, she's still in black and white, even though she's highly sexual, she's very much into into boys and into love and intimacy, but she's still black and white. 
What makes her go into color is she realizes that she's smart and she has interest in books and learning and she wants to go to school and she wants to 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 learn. I don't I don't know if it's being an engineer or a scientist or I don't know what it is. But when she sort of drops her persona as boy crazy girl and gets in touch with her real truth, which is I love learning. I want to be smart. I want to use my brain, not just my body. She becomes in color, right? So her mother gets in color when she becomes sexual. The daughter becomes in color when she stops playing that sexual game, right? So the movie's showing you there's no right or wrong. There's just your truth. There, are you being authentic to who you are and what you're passionate about and what you're interested in and, and what your emotions are? Because one of the lead characters in the movie is one of the people that's trying to keep people from waking up and becoming in color. He wants to keep it the way it was. Let's keep Pleasantville the way it is. Right, And he's fighting against all these people and trying to punish all these people who are becoming colorized. And at the end of the movie, it's a powerful scene when he loses his temper and he, he screams about all this change and how he can't handle it. And in that moment, he transforms into color because he's finally being real about his fear, about how much he wants to control, about about what he's feeling inside of him. He's no longer in Pleasantville because everybody in Pleasantville is so nice and they're all being pleasant and they're saying the right things. And, you know, the fire department gets called to get the cat out of the tree. That's one of the biggest dramas in Pleasantville because there's no problems. You know, nobody's ever suffering. There's, there's, there's no sickness in Pleasantville. It's a phony TV show. And that's what the movie's trying to tell you is, are you living a phony TV show life or are you living the messiness of your authenticity? Isn't that a powerful message? Are you living the messiness of your authenticity? Now, what is this movie's slogan? Well, it's all about the lead character's father. Because he's one of the last ones to become colorized. If I remember right, he does eventually. But he's one of the last ones. And in the movie, in Pleasantville, you know, he's always coming home from work after his day at work. And he walks in and says, honey, I'm home. Right? And so at one point he comes home, but his wife has already had this, trans his, this transformation. And she's waking up to her sexuality. And she's actually interested in someone else, someone she's not married to. And so she's leaving him. She's leaving, she's leaving this role of just being a homemaker, just making dinners and making lunches and making breakfasts. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But for her, it wasn't her authentic expression in life. Okay? So she's pursuing her path. She's pursuing her passions, and it's not with this guy. So one day he comes home from work and says, honey, I'm home. And he looks around. There's nobody there. And he walks in the kitchen. He opens up the, the oven door, and he's perplexed. Where's my dinner? Right? Where's my dinner? That's the line of the movie. It's like he is still living in the old roles, in, in the old expectations, 
and everybody else around him is beginning to be transformed and to wake up and to find out who they really are. But he's like, where's my dinner? I don't want anything to change. I want to just stay black and white. It's all predictable. It's all safe. It's not messy. There are no problems. The biggest disaster is there is a cat in the tree. <laughs> Nobody gets divorced. There's, there's no crime. There's no, there's no messiness of life. So he's representing that part of us that just wants life to be simple and predictable and the same every day and there's no problems and it's all sweet and it's all nice, but it's not real. So his line, where'd you go? Where, where's my life? You know, where, where's my dinner? And so I want to encourage you to listen to this, to watch this movie. Because one of these characters in the movie is going to be you. Maybe it's the mom. Maybe it's the dad. Maybe it's the kid, the star of the movie. I forget his name. It escapes me right now. Um, I think Reese Witherspoon plays the daughter. And then there's some other characters in the movie that you might relate to. But the question really is, you know, are you living in black and white or are you living in color? Now, in color is messy, but it's authentic. It's real. And so the path of authenticity, Runaway Bride says, man, you got to know who you are. You, you've got to know your core. You can't just morph and be a chameleon to get people to like you and to accept you. You, you got to know yourself regardless of how anybody else feels about you. You know, I love eggs Benedict, damn it. That's, I know who I am. That's part of being authentic. I know who I am. And then you got to be authentic with your passions and your emotions and your expression in life, who you are, your creativity, your sexuality, your wants, your desires, and not be living in a way to please your parents or to conform to society or to not disappoint anyone. You know, you go to college, you get a degree. Well, I've got to, I've got to follow my degree. I can't decide I want to do something completely different and then feel like I wasted all my money in college. Yeah, you can. You can completely go a new direction. You can completely face your truth. Now, what's interesting about the movie is the husband and wife of the family, I, 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 don't rem I don't think they ever get back together again. They both become in color, right? But what's interesting about the dynamic there, and I think this happens in life, whether it's between a husband and wife or between friends or even between you and the company you work for, is that sometimes you go through life and one person sort of wakes up to something about themselves. I'm not living the life I really want to live. I'm not expressing myself the way I want to express it. I'm not being authentic to who I am. I'm playing a game here. I'm being phony or I'm following a role or an expectation. And sometimes relationships will end because of that dynamic. Because one person is saying, 
This isn't me. This isn't where I belong. This isn't my path. And so that can change the company you work for, the career you're following. It can lead to the end of a relationship. It doesn't have to. Because you might be waking up to something in your life to be more real, to be more authentic. Perhaps your partner is willing to face the same truths about themselves. And the two of you can really grow and evolve and still be together. But maybe not. Maybe the other person is not at that place of awareness. Isn't willing to face some things about themselves. And that can mean that now the relationship isn't going to be viable anymore. This happened between me and my ex-fiance, really. Even though she broke up with me, what was happening in our relationship is I was really getting on this consciousness path and starting to learn about the things I talk about in my life that have ruined my love life. You know, my being Roy the Rescuer, my codependent habits, my mommy issues. And and I was expecting, you know, my fiance to give me the love and attention I needed to make me feel whole, right? I was starting to wake up to the games I was playing and to be more authentic. And as I did, our relationship didn't work anymore because I didn't want to keep playing the game like she had sex with me to make me feel like a man and I just took care of her. I was the rescuer. I, I raised her children and cleaned her house and took care of her. We had this codependent thing that we were both doing from fear. I was doing that stuff not because it was an expression of my love, but because I thought I had to be that kind of boyfriend in order to get a woman to want to have sex with me. See how dysfunctional the whole thing was. So I started waking up to that and I started telling my ex-fiance, You know, I'm not comfortable with the dynamic in our relationship. Meaning, I'm not comfortable rescuing you and your kids and functioning in the way I've been functioning and with our sexual dynamic. Now, in that moment, if she would have seen it also in her life, oh my God, I am codependent. We do have this dynamic boy, it's really not healthy. Let's work on this together. Let, let's grow together. Well, we maybe we could have stayed together. But because she didn't, she didn't see what I saw, I'm not saying I'm right, but she, she didn't see it that way. She didn't agree with that. She, she didn't want to become in color. So therefore, the relationship was never going to work. Now, I was still still stuck and afraid to be alone that she had to be the one to break up with me. But the way I describe it is I loaded the gun, but she just pulled the trigger because I knew it needed to be done. I just didn't have the guts to do it because I was still I was still not really fully in color, but I knew that was the direction. But she didn't want to go in that direction. Bless her heart. There's nothing wrong with that. And here's the danger of what I'm saying. You can think that, oh, maybe I've got some friends that, that I want to I be more authentic and be more real and, and, and pursue my passions and, 
and my creativity and, and I, I kind of want to go, I've been being black and white and I want to, I want to shift and be in color, but maybe my friends don't. Well, then some of your friendships might change, but the danger is you can think you're better than them and that ain't it. Anytime you look at someone else and say, you're in black and white and I'm in color because I'm following my truth and I'm not playing these society games or these expectations that people have, I'm, you know, I hear my own drum and I'm following it, you know, uh, whether it is sexually, creatively, occupationally, you know, whatever it might be. Anytime you're looking at someone else and saying, you're in black and white, no, you are. Because a person who's really in color would never think that way about that person. What they would think is they are exactly where they're supposed to be, having the experience they're supposed to have. They are supposed to be living the life they're living. There's nothing wrong with them. They're following their karma. They are on the path that the universe has them on. It's just that I see myself having a different path now. And so I'm going in this direction. And that can alter friendships. That can alter intimate relationships. It can alter your career path. But it's very important to recognize to really don't, don't get caught up in this, oh, you know, I'm better than so-and-so. No, if you think you're better, then that means you're still in all ego. <laughs> and ego is black and white. <laughs> Essence, authenticity is what's in color. So anyway, Pleasant Phil, just so many beautiful lessons in that movie. And you get to watch it and say, well, what color am I? And maybe in what area of my life do I need to be more in color about? Maybe I'm just doing things I think I'm supposed to, or I'm following what my parents always wanted me to do, or this has always been the expectation. Uh, I, I, I'm supposed to grow up and go to college and get married and have kids. Really? Says who? Right? Says who? That's Pleasantville. You're in black and white if you're just doing something, you're following a script. But the path of authenticity is like, what is my truth? What, what is my path? What are my emotions, my feelings, my wants, my creativity? How do I want to express myself in this world? And fuck everybody else if they don't like it. I mean, it just... I got to do my thing, right? So that's Pleasantville. And then lastly, the third movie is Liar, Liar, a Jim Carrey movie. It's really a funny movie, especially if you like Jim Carrey like I do. Um, the guy's nuts. Uh, I, I enjoy his humor in his movies. But this movie, you know, really has a very simple and obvious message. Jim Carrey plays a lawyer and and so they make fun of lawyers and how they don't tell the truth. But in reality, the issue is Jim Carrey plays a character nobody can trust because he's, he gives his word to things and he lies. And it's mostly between him and his ex-wife. He's, he's not married anymore because she can't trust him because he doesn't do what he's saying he's going to do. But the movie centers around his relationship with his little boy, his five-year-old boy, and he's broken trust with his little boy so many times. I'll be at your birthday party, son. He doesn't show up. That kind of stuff. And the boy's like, dad, you lie to me, right? 
Now, technically, we can argue, is breaking an agreement lying? Well, technically, probably not. But I think we know what they mean, okay? And so this little boy is so upset when his father doesn't show up for his fifth birthday party the way he promised. Um, The little boy, you know, blows out his candles and makes a birthday wish, and he wishes his dad would tell the truth. His dad would never say another lie. His dad would be honest. He would be trustable. He would be a person of his word, right? And, of course, a spell is cast over Jim Carrey, and now, as an attorney, he can't lie, and it's hilarious. <laughs> He's in court arguing for his client, and he can't he can't lie. <laughs> so you have to watch it to see it, right? So it just it speaks to the issue of how authentic are we with our communication, right? Now, there's two directions we could go here. We could talk about how authentic are we with our agreements? Are we a trustable person? Like, if I took all your siblings and all your closest friends and got them together and and said, uh, rate, rate you from one to ten on how trustworthy you are when you say you're going to do something, do you do it? Or when you say you won't do something, do you not do it? Like, for instance, if you say you'll text your friend tomorrow, do you do it? If you say that you're going to meet someone at 7 o'clock, are you there at 7 o'clock or is it 5 after 7? Like, how impeccable are you with your word? And if your friends had to grade you from 1 to 10, what would they say? Okay. You want to have a happy life? You want to have great relationships? You better be a 10. You cannot make agreements and break them and think that people will continue to trust you. Why should they? I think one of the worst things that could happen is that someone's having a party or they're they're going to some, they're going to do something fun or whatever. And a couple of people are talking and let's invite so-and-so. Now... Because you know what's going to happen. They're going to say they're going to come and then they're going to have some excuse and they're, they're going to back out. Because, you know, that's what they do. They, they say they want to do something and then they're late or they just never come or they change their mind. So I, I don't even want to invite them anymore. Right? That's – what if your friends are talking about you like that? What if you're a liar, liar? What if people just don't trust you? So that's one direction that we could talk about. When you make a promise or a commitment or you make an agreement, and I don't care if it's a big one or a little one, if you say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm busy, I'll text you tomorrow and, and we'll talk about it. Do you text them tomorrow? Are you five minutes late? That's not okay. Really. I'm not trying to be Mr. Anal Policeman. But if seven o'clock means seven o'clock. You don't want to be the kind of person where like, like you're going to meet someone for dinner at 7.30 and they're like, oh, well, I'm not even going to show up until like 8 because I know they won't be there. I have a friend like that. I don't hang out with them much anymore. We're probably getting to be more acquaintances than friends. I, I think our relationship is sort of going backwards. 
I've asked him to do things many times and he changes his mind and shows up an hour late and I've talked to him about it, still does it. That's fine, but I don't want to put any more energy into our relationship. I, it's just, I'm not going to, hey, let's get together and watch a ball game at eight o'clock and, you know, have a beer. We'll catch up a little bit. And he shows up at like 915 and I'm already ready to go home. Right. So, yeah. Right. So that's one direction we could go is, are you like Jim Carrey and that nobody can trust him and what he says and he doesn't follow through on his commitments and promises? But the other way we can look at this is just about, do we tell the truth of our experience to people? Do people really know what's going on inside of us? And maybe I should qualify that. Do the people that we would like to be close to, do they really know what's happening in Royville, as I say? Do they know what's going on inside of us? See, because I don't think that many of us outright lie to people, people we care about, friends, siblings, co-workers, intimate partners, people we're dating, our parents, our children. I don't think we outright tell bald face lies. Not, not that often. What I do think we do is we withhold. Right? So we don't covertly say something that's not true, but we sort of overtly don't tell people what's true. We withhold. We don't reveal what's going on. So it's not like we lie. What'd you do this afternoon? Oh, I went to the driving range and hit golf balls. When in effect, you met a coworker, you know, for a drink, right? That's, that's an outright lie, right? We're more, I think the, the thing we should talk more about is our tendency to withhold who we are, what we think, what we're feeling, what's happening inside of us from the people around us. So I think it's withholding that really destroys relationships. Obviously, outright lies do, okay? <laughs> but I think more often we are guilty of, well, we just didn't say that, right? So there's so many examples of this you could give in the dating world, right? You you're, you met somebody online. You've been texting back and forth. It's your first face-to-face -face meeting, and you're going to get together at, you know, Starbucks or something and have a cup of coffee, you know, at 4.30 on Saturday afternoon. And they walk in at 4.40. And you're annoyed. You're like, you know, I arranged my day to be on time and you're late. So I, I, I'm feeling like maybe you're not coming. Uh, am I getting played? I, you know, you're sitting there. You're just annoyed that they're, that they're late. So when they walk in and say, oh, hi, this is, so, this is me. It's so nice to meet you. And you give a little, you know, a little friendly little hug and you sit down. Are you going to be authentic or are you going to withhold? Hmm. <laughs> if you withhold, you will withdraw. Happens every time. It's a law of relationships. This I, 
I'm going to give it a lame. It's the law of withholding. If you withhold, you withdraw. Maybe physically, but certainly emotionally. There's a little glitch now. There's a little something between us. I'm annoyed, right? I'm withholding something, which means I'm going to pull away. There's going to be something between us now. This is how most of us ruin relationships. You know how you can go to, to divorce and you stand in front of the judge and you have to give a reason for your divorce and it's, and it's like we've just grown apart, your honor. We've just grown apart. You want to know how that happens? By withholding. You withhold and you continue to withhold thoughts and feelings and things that you think the other person might not like to hear, things you think they would be upset to hear, things that you think that might trigger them if they heard it, things that you feel like they might judge you for. You withhold what's happening inside of you. You will withdraw and you will then end up saying, we've just kind of grown apart. Yeah, you grew apart. And it happens not by, oh, we just grew apart like, don't know how, it's just the mystery of life. No, it ain't. You grew apart because you quit telling each other the truth. You quit being naked with each other. You know, when you're naked, there's nothing covered up. There's nothing hidden. You can see every little wrinkle and nook and cranny, (laughs) right? Everything's laid bare. You're exposed. You're naked. That's what authenticity is. That's what a real relationship is like. There are no secrets. There is no withholding. If I'm upset about something, I'm going to tell you. If I'm having judgments about you, I'm going to tell you that I'm having judgments about you. If I'm scared of something, I'm going to tell you I'm scared of something. If I have a reaction to something you're doing or not doing, you're going to know it because I'm not going to withhold. So this This movie, Liar, Liar, sort of challenges us to decide, are we going to play games and try to control our relationships by saying the things that we think will be taken properly and understood? In other words, are we going to try to control how people respond or... Are we going to be committed to saying, I want you to know me. I want you to know what's going on inside of me all the time. So when you meet someone, one of the first things we always say, hey, how you doing? I dare you to start answering that question honestly. I dare you. Now, maybe in certain cases, people aren't asking with any serious intent to find out how you're doing, right? You go through the grocery store, how are you today? And there's a swiping your, your, your uh, groceries, you know, with the barcode. They they don't really want to hear that, you know, you're feeling a bit anxious because you've got a work meeting next week and you might be getting fired. They don't want to hear all that, you know, TMI, right? (laughs) But I'm talking about people that you want to be close to. Hey, honey, how you doing? Are you willing to tell them the truth? Actually, 
how I'm doing. You said you'd be home 15 minutes ago. Um, and I, I feel frustrated. I, I notice I have thoughts like I can't even trust what he says anymore. Um, it, it just really bothers me. I, I don't know if it means you don't think I'm important that you, that you say things and then you don't follow through. Ooh, I might not like to hear that from my, my partner or you show up late to a date. Well, how are you? So, so good to meet you. Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm actually quite excited to finally get together. We've been texting and you know, I'm, I'm glad to meet you. And I noticed that you're, you're 10 minutes late. And I noticed I felt feelings I would describe as annoyance. I, I didn't like that. I was having thoughts like, is this a person who says something that and doesn't do it? Is, is, is he that kind of person? Is she that kind of person that they're going to say something and it, and it doesn't mean, you know, the, it's not worth the paper it's written on? You know, that's how I'm doing. That, that's what's going on over here. I'm both excited to see you and sort of frustrated on how this thing's getting started. That's how I'm doing. Oh my God, if I said that to someone, they might get up and walk out and he or she was so cute that I, I just don't want to say that because I, I, I don't want them to think I'm judgmental or that I'm some sort of anal neurotic nut job. You know, so I'm just going to bury that and just, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll just try to explain it away or justify it. And I'll just put on a happy face and, and just, I'll just feel the part where I'm excited to meet them. And I'm just going to withhold the other part. Well, then you just started your relationship on a lie. And you, you just started the relationship on the pattern of, this is how I'm going to do my love life. I'm going to try to control the outcome rather than I'm just going to be real and see what happens. Because if I was late and I was meeting you on a date and you called me on that, I might get down on one knee and propose right then and there. Because I want to be in a relationship where you won't hide that from me. Because I would say to you, you know what? You're right. I am late. Here's what happened. No, I am not that kind of person. And I am committing to you that this won't happen again. And if I, if by some chance something happens that's unpredictable, I will let you know beforehand that I'm running late or I'm behind. But even that's not going to happen very often. Because I want to be a person of my word and I want you to know that you can trust what I say. See, I would like a woman to call me on that. That means she's com she that means she's not afraid of losing me. She's like, I don't care if I lose you. This is how I feel. This is what's going on over here in me and I want you to know and I don't want to hide that from you. I don't want to withhold that. It's a reality. And I'm going to say it. That's the kind of person that I want to be in a relationship with. A person where I know that they aren't holding things back from me. If I come home to my wife and I say, how you doing, baby? And she says, fine. I believe her. She's fine. I don't want to be in a relationship where she says, I'm fine. And then two days later, she says, you know, the other day I was really mad at you about something. What? What? 
What took you so long to say it? Hey, we don't do that here. We don't play that game. You said you were fine. If you weren't fine, that's a violation of our commitment to be authentic with each other, to, to not play those kind of games. Can, can we recommit to that? Do you want to get back on board with that? Yes, I do. Great. No hard feelings. All right. So let's deal with it now. You follow me? So this movie, Liar, Liar, just sort of has some fun with the idea of, do you tell the truth? <laughs> Are you a person you can trust? And of course, the movie is funny in that he takes it way too far because he's under a spell. And he says things that nobody in their right mind would ever say. He he says things to, to very attractive women because they have a lot of cleavage in one scene. And he says things that, you know, would almost be considered sexual harassment. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the movie, to make it funny, takes it too far. But the point is, are we people that are, do we tell the truth? Or are we withholding and playing games and breaking our commitments? So what's the line in that movie? Well, at the end of the movie, he's, he's in court, of course, and he has to tell the truth. But by telling the truth, he actually wins the case, right? And when he realizes that he's telling the truth as a lawyer in court, and he's winning the case because they discover the truth. It's, it's like a custody battle going on in a movie. He's defending um, a man who wants custody of his children and his the ex-wife is kind of a floozy. Um, and he, he, he gets her on the stand and he catches her in a lie, right? And he wins the case not because he's manipulating as a lawyer and lying and doing all the games that he did previously in the movie. And then he screams out when he, when he wins the case, and the truth shall set you free. That's the line. The truth will set you free. Now, we all know who said that. But think about that. Forget, take Jesus out of it. The truth, it will set you free. It will. Because when you're committed to telling the truth, you are so free. You're like... I don't have to remember what I said. Remember that saying about when you lie, you better keep track because you, you kind of forget what the lie is. But when you're telling the truth, you, you can never never get caught in a lie. I mean, because the truth is the truth, <laughs> right? So when you're telling the truth, you're free. You're free of the dating games. You're free of having to create an image that people like. You're, tr you're free of trying to keep track of what you said and trying to pretend to be something, you know, when you're pretending and playing games and, you know, and you're over there thinking, well, you know, it's the first date. So I got to, I can't call her until at least two or three days, or, you know, I can't let on to this guy that I really like him. Cause you know, men like to chase and I, and I, I, I want to play a little hard to get, Oh my God, you're not free. You're playing by somebody else's rules and you have no idea if, if those rules are going to chase away the person that you're with or, or whether it'll work, right? That's one of the problems while I was dating rules is that everybody's different and they don't work necessarily in every situation. So you never know if the game you're playing is the right game to play. So you never feel secure. You're not free is what I'm saying. You're, you're going to be exhausted. You're going to be scared. You're going to be insecure. But if you're just like, I'm just going to be real. I'm not going to withhold. 
and you're going to find an unbelievable level of freedom. The truth will set you free. Now, with all three of these things, if you're human, you need help here. If you're human, you need help if you're Julia Roberts. If you're human, you need help because you're one of those characters in Pleasantville. If you're human, you know that, oh my God, I can be so like Jim Carrey. Playing games, withholding, not following through on agreements. And if you need help, that's what I'm here for, right? That's what I do. I help people work on these things because when when you do, you're on the path. When you're on the path to authenticity, you're on the path to a healthy connection with another person because you are relating from your heart. You're relating from a real place in you. Therefore, you can have a real relationship. It's not going to be phony. So if you want to if you want to follow through on this, if you if you want to talk more about this, work on these issues, you know where to find me, right? Roy at coachingwithroy.com and my phone number is 407-687-3387. So there you go. Runaway Bride, Pleasantville, and Liar Liar. Go check out those movies. Go watch them. And then I'll see you back here next week for the final part of this series. And we'll focus on three more movies that have some powerful things to say that affect the way we live and love. Until next time, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.